Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. What a weekend, folks. Hope you enjoyed the long weekend, starting with Patrick's on Friday. It felt actually on Saturday, I thought it was Sunday. You know that type of feeling you have in your head when the bank holiday isn't the Friday? I think a lot of people understand what I'm talking about. Wonderful St. Patrick's Day, but what a weekend for this little country. Rugby, you know, loud GAA. Oh, amazing, amazing. More besides, I'm going to come back to it throughout the afternoon, I promise you. Lots to talk about what went on over the weekend. And I have a great competition for you today, too. I have a new front door to give to one of you. It's worth €2,000. I'm going to tell you about that in a wee while on the show, but stay with me to find out more and you could be winning that door on late lunch before the end of the week. And we have fabulous other prizes as well and it all comes to us. Compliments of Senator Windows who are this coming week uh, opening in Beachmount Business Park in Navin. Their new showrooms there. More to come a little bit later on the show. Lots to talk about over the next couple of hours. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you want to talk to me on the show this afternoon. Now, I begin this week and I'm delighted to welcome them back to studio. They haven't been with me in a while for obvious reasons with lockdown here for what months and years on end, but people coming back to us on late lunch gradually and it's great to see them. I want to welcome back to the show and they're here for a very special reason. You know them well, David and Aileen Carey. Welcome, folks. Hi, Jeremy. Th- Hi, Jeremy. Thank you very much for joining me again on the show. Well, I want to tell you why they're here, ladies and gentlemen, because, you see... The carries are now unique because very recently they ran together the Tokyo Marathon. And when I tell you, Tokyo completed the six world marathon majors. They've done them all. London, Berlin, Boston, Chicago, New York and now Tokyo. Congratulations, David and Aileen. What an achievement. This is, it's so true, isn't it? There are very few Irish people, David, just come in on this one, that have actually uh, achieved this. Yeah, uh, thanks Thanks for the invite to come in and chat about it, Jerry. Um, prior to Tokyo, uh, there was uh, only 144 Irish people had completed the feat uh, of, the, of running the, the World Marathon Majors. And um, to date, uh, after Tokyo, there is now 142 men and 81 women has completed it. So we're, we're in... Uh, the Hall of Fame. You are, in terms of an Irish context. But here's the other thing I have to ask you. How many married couples have completed it? That must be tiny, the number. Yeah, it's, it would be very hard to know, but we did actually meet one couple uh, over in, in Tokyo that was on the same journey as ourselves, uh, the lovely uh, Andrew and Ruth Creedon. And uh, they live in Roscommon. And uh, we shared the, the, the Tokyo journey with them on the on the on 
on the last few nights. But uh, they are the only couple, married couple that I know. Mm. I'm sure there is married couples out there. I don't, we don't know. Yeah. It is very rare because it's unique that probably a married couple actually share the same hobby. Hmm. And, and, and running. <laughs> yes, exactly. Any hobby alien carry, I have to say, that a married couple share. Congratulations to you too. It's Thanks wonderful. Thanks so very much, Jerry. You're very, uh, you're very good to join me again today. Tell me about you and him. He, he, he was the runner and you began running. Just remind us again, oh, were you running when you met him? No, no, I started running, as Frank really told us, um, when I give up smoking and all that. So um, I just started running for fitness and then yeah. I actually found out that I did like it <laughs> after all these years I've been kind of coached into trying to do a bit of it but um, yeah so I started running and then I just found I preferred the long distance and the marathon funnily enough Did you know him at that stage when you started? I've known him all my life Right okay yeah. so you've known each other you've grown yeah, up you knew each yeah, other from yeah. children or whatever but um to do a marathon then you'd done a number of marathons before Ailey, before you did your first yeah. yes yeah, yeah. I was only really fun running, if you know yeah. what I mean. I wasn't. And then I asked David to help me do a 10 mile. Yeah. And then I progressed to the half marathon. And then when he decided to start Team Carry, he was on about a marathon. And I said, there was no way I'd be able to do, like, as I put it, two half marathons back to back. But as we can see, so many <laughs> years down the road, I can do it. You can. You can indeed. How many marathons have you run all together, Aileen, yourself? 22. For someone who thought they couldn't do any, David. And David, how many are you on now? Hey, I'm, I'm over 40 at the minute, I think. I actually don't count because I'm, I, I say if I start counting too much, I'm looking back. I still want to look forward. <laughs> like all of us. <laughs> what year did you run your first one in? Uh, 2010. And that was Dublin, wasn't it? That was Dublin, yeah. Your first one? Uh, 1987. Dublin. I ran my first Dublin marathon. Well. Yeah, I, I know I've 19 Dublin marathons completed. Incredible. Mm. You're an incredible couple, I have to say. So let's talk about this wonderful achievement, Aileen. Was London the first one you were on? London was yeah, the first. London was the first one. And then I kind of put the idea into David's head about I wouldn't mind doing the marathon. David actually didn't really know too much about the marathon majors at that stage. Yes. And I, I don't know how I just seen it and I said I'd love to do them all. So that kind of started us on this journey. So it began with Aileen's thoughts around this. Let's try and get these six big ones done. Yeah, like I w- would have would been a well-established marathon runner and well-known for years. And um, I had travelled to do one or two, the likes of Paris and a few of them over the years. But uh, it was only when uh, we, we actually had started Team Carry. It was in 2015. We had five years of Team Carry done. And Aileen said, maybe we'll venture further afield. She said, we'll do, maybe we'll do the London Marathon. And... Uh, that was 2015 and that was the first I heard about the the yeah. world majors even though they were established in 2005 uh, it's a championship style uh, marathon running and uh, from 2005 to 2012 there was initially only five majors which was uh, London, Berlin, New York, Boston and Chicago and then in 2012 Tokyo then uh, got Graded and mm. then they were became one of the world marathon majors as well. So it was Aileen in twenty fifteen. They said we'll do London, and then she said we'll be, we'll be go on this journey to try and complete the world marathon majors, and it's really it's really been great. Berlin, you did the same year twenty fifteen. Then in seventeen it was Boston, eighteen Chicago, nineteen New York, and th- just recently. 2023, Tokyo, you completed the set of six. I take it the intervention of COVID, you would have completed this sooner. Yeah, you had planned to. Yeah, we were actually, would you believe it, Jerry, less than t- two weeks away 
from going to Tokyo when obviously COVID hit. And actually, I actually remember when it was talking about it and the girl says to me, you're not worried about tomorrow? No, I'm not sure it'll be fine. We'll be going ahead. Little did we know it was going to be three years later before we actually got to complete mm. it. But, but you got to complete yeah. it, which is the fantastic thing. I have a number of quick fire questions for you um, on the, the, uh, the six majors. Um, the toughest... The toughest. Which of the six did you find the toughest, Daily? Well, I found Boston the toughest because I was injured. Now, so I don't know, you know, mentally, not physically, mentally the toughest because like, yeah, I had to walk some of it. mm, And I was determined to do it because it's not easy to get into Boston. Yes. You know, you have to qualify. So, you know, we're there and it was only, we'd say two or three weeks out and I said, I'm doing it. (laughs) That determination. Toughest for you, David? Toughest, um... Probably Boston as well. It was a really, really hot day, windy day in 2017. Mm. And um, I, I, it was a, a rolling type of a course. But I think it, it, they're all tough. Yes. Do you know, they're all unique. They're all different and all bring their own uh, mystery and adventure to it, you know. And um, I'd say they're all tough, but all enjoyable. Mm. But Boston, again, isn't that funny? That sticks mm. with the two of you. The most impressive of the cities, because you stay, obviously you go and you do a bit of visiting when you're there and, of course, you run the marathons. Most impressive of those six cities? Oh, I'm going to say Chicago. Really? Yeah. Tokyo. The most recent one for you? Yeah, yeah. loved it. I thought it was just an extraordinary place, Japan, mm. to go and see, to meet the people, the culture. Wonderful experience. Mm. Tokyo, for me, would have been unique. Anything stick in your mind from any of those six runs that you remember, an incident or an event or the build up to or the afterwards, anything like that stick with you from the any of the six? Well, when in London, right, which was the first, when you're going across uh, Tower Bridge, it's it's indescribable, really and truly. It's you'd nearly cry going across. It's so iconic. I don't know. It's just unreal. And mm. I don't it's just for me, that was that. Your greatest memory, David. Uh, I had plenty of great memories, but I do, uh, w- for me, in Boston in 2017, I met the, the wonderful Adrian Haslett. Now, Adrian uh, would have been uh, one of the victims of the, the Boston bombing in, in 2013, and she she actually had lost her foot, and she went on to complete, she lost her foot. She was actually uh, a very accomplished dancer, and to actually meet her in 2017, uh, after her completing the marathon three years later she completed it in 2016 I thought she was just an inspirational person and we shared a lovely meal with her one evening and just the determination in that girl you know like there was three people died that day and many injured mm-hmm. and to see how she uh, she only went to spectate knew not, didn't know much about running and ends up being a victim of the Boston bombing and then go on to complete a marathon herself. I just thought it was an inspirational story. Mm, what a memory. What a memory to have. I have the. I have to tell folks here, they can't see it, but I can describe it. I have the medal you got uh, from Tokyo. You got this after Tokyo. Yeah, when you yeah that's, that's actually the six of them, Jared. They're all there yeah, on the yeah, medal. That's the I world marathon it. majors. And to date, uh, there's only uh, over 10,000 people worldwide has achieved that feat. And, you know, they're beautiful. I'm just looking at the iconic images, Aileen, from each of the cities on yeah. the combined six medals on the beautiful medal. It's something else, isn't it? 
It's a great medal, isn't it? <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a great medal. It is. To even uh, the history of even Berlin, to be able to, it starts and finishes near the Brandenburg Gate, and to be able to, you know, run around Berlin, there is no wall anymore now, do you know? And I think, you know, at the gates, you couldn't go through those gates. Yes. You know, like, and to actually be running through them at the end of your marathon, like it is, I, like they all bring their own. To be honest, with yes. Every single yeah. one of them has big city elements. marathons, mm. and the crowds and oh, the atmosphere around them. And there's an average forty thousand runs each event. That'd be the average forty to fifty thousand runs each event. And, and then New York. I mean, there's how many? There's over a million, I think, or two million come out to spectate in New York. And then you run up the real long alongside and Fifth Avenue, and it goes on forever, as you think. But the crowd, like the crowd in New York is and amazing. And it f- finishes in the iconic Central Park. Mm. Where else would you be in New York only in Central Park? When Aileen mentioned there about, you know, it's not easy to get in. Tell me a bit about that. You know, and, and Dublin has, be, you know, Dublin has changed since Team Carey finished up as well about getting places in the marathon. How yeah. difficult is it to get into some of these? It's it's, it's very difficult. And Tokyo is, is, is one of the most difficult. I think they only allow, allow 1,500 overseas. They're all difficult, but we're lucky enough that uh, over the years uh, we've accumulated the qualifying times for each event. And that allows you then to... Uh, yeah, it's, it goes. It, you actually have uh, a better chance in the lottery when you have a qualifying time because mm. it goes in the process of elimination. Uh, Berlin goes for a pro- Boston is the same yes. as qualifying time. Uh, a lot, a lot of people uh, travels through uh, sports companies. Sports company might have twenty five to fifty places for each event. So some people get uh, a number maybe through uh, sports travel. But I mean. I know for some of the events, uh, the likes of London, London gets 500,000 applications for its event every year. Mm. And it's the same in a lot of them. So it, it is difficult enough to actually get into these events. Mm. When you go out for your runs down round Dunleer, where you do a lot of your training, you know what I mean? And you reflect, Aileen, on all the places you've run and all these wonderful marathons. You know, it's it's quite a contrast, isn't it? Oh, very much so. Yes. But when you're actually, you know, it, it that's what motivates you to actually go out on the roads around here is the fact that there's an end goal and if it's a major marathon, it's, you'll go out in any weather. <laughs> Rain, hail, wind. And of course, you know, we have people that we run with and they're great. I'm not going to name anyone because there's too many, but it's great then. That motivates you, keeps you going, you know. So yes. it's more than just us doing this as well. But yes. We've loads of help and it's great. And and it, you run obviously run at different paces, yeah. You, you're yeah, a, you, oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's she's catching up on me now, Jerry. She's about to pass me. If I can tell her. But but that is that is a given in the marathon. You know, you start at different oh, yeah. points of the marathon as well. But I, I I'll have a bet. I'm I'm only you wait on the line till Aileen arrives. Yes, every right, time. Every time yeah. I wait the line, and even in Tokyo when I got across the line, um, I. I I weighed. I take a kick in at three sixteen, mm. and Aileen was three fifty three. So I don't need to weigh half an yes, hour, yes. and I don't know many times they tried to usher me down. I says, oh, "I ain't going anywhere till Aileen comes in." <laughs> he's immovable, David Carey. You know, please, <laughs> no matter where you are in the world, don't be trying. He's will you? And, and I've seen you in action in Dublin as well. Greeting and the two years, all team carry. You know, everyone got a greeting, no matter what time they they finished the marathon at, which, which is wonderful. We've great friends, Jerry. Yeah. And great people to run with and train with, and um, 
like I mean they help us a lot too particularly over the last couple of years when we're trying to get motivated to run another one and uh, the fact that the team carry finished in 2019 and uh, you know but we've met we've, we've great training partners we meet them once a week and go for a long run and we love the travel mm. we of love course. the travel and every time we go to an event once it's over once the marathon's over it's party time and we end up staying and traveling all around and going and sightseeing tours so it's it's been wonderful Hmm. Where to from here? What is the next challenge for the carries? Alien, come on! Have you been have you been thinking <laughs> oh, up anything to I say have, to but this not man, <laughs> David? Have you any thoughts on how do you top this? How do you top this wonderful medal? This unique medal? This medal that's been awarded to so few Irish people? Um, definitely enjoying the moment. Mm. Really enjoying the moment. Haven't thought further afield. We we probably will branch out and maybe do something else uh, someone mentioned seven continents we've already got three continents done so yeah there's three yeah. here it's something just to think about but yeah. we're not planning anything at the minute you know mm. Australia might be a, a nice one to do <laughs> you never know you're not saying anything I noticed but you never know there could be a connection there that might uh, be nice to make too it's a wonderful story. It really is. And I say it again that David and Aileen Carey have completed London, Berlin, Boston, Chicago, New York and just very recently Tokyo to make the top six majors theirs that they've run. And they have these beautiful medals to show for it as well. You're fantastic. You really are. And I'm delighted for both of you. This is a wonderful, wonderful achievement. Enjoy. Jerry, can I just give um, thank you for inviting in and I, just a big shout out to our two beautiful granddaughter grandchildren since uh, Noah and Fia, and uh, that's the first time I've been in that we are now grandparents and we've actually joined the best club of all, the grandparents club. <laughs> Here, so here. I hello, say hello to, to Noah and Fia. <laughs> <laughs> hello to all of you indeed. Congratulations again. Thank you for joining me and continued success. More marathons and watch this space. The seven continents to be done for the carries. <laughs> Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. The late lunch. Senator Windows, this coming Saturday, are opening their brand new store at Beachmount Business Park in Navin. And to celebrate the opening, they've given us a wonderful prize on late lunch this week. I want to give one of you the opportunity, we'll give you all the opportunity, but pick one of you then, sorry, give everybody the opportunity listening today to win a fabulous composite door voucher worth €2,000. This door is worth €2,000 and it's to celebrate the opening of Senator Windows uh, this Saturday in Navin in Beachmount Business Park. We also have four runners-up prizes of Karcher window cleaners. If you win each day on late lunch, you're going to be a winner one way or the other, but somebody, one person, will win that €2,000 composite door voucher. And there's more chances, just to let you know, to win from Senator Windows on LMFM's Facebook page tomorrow, Tuesday and Thursday. There's a shark-style IQ ionic hairdryer and a ninja fry. Max to be won. So check out LMFM's Facebook page and the Senator Windows competition. So how do you win this €2,000 composite door voucher from Senator Windows? What you have to do is send me in your knock-knock jokes. Okay? Send me in your knock-knock jokes. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text and I'll pick a winner each day. The best one. We're going to look at them and pick one out and that person and you'll have won anyway. You'll have won that. At least you'll have won uh, the Karcher window vac but you could win that door as well. So, knock-knock. 
Who's there? Weekend. Weekend who? We can do anything we want. You know the style of them, those knock-knock jokes? That's what I'm looking for, your knock-knock jokes to late lunch this afternoon. I'll give you another one. Knock-knock. Who's there? Beats. Beats who? Beats me. Yes, you know what I'm looking for. Knock-knock jokes. Get them to me. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. And we'll pick a winner today. And we'll do that each day this week. And then we'll put the five names into a hat and draw out the overall winner here on the show on Friday. So get cracking with your knock-knock jokes as soon as you can. What a weekend I just mentioned of sport. I was at the Dundalk Drawhuddy game on Friday night. Dundalk won 1-0. One shot. One goal, you have to put the ball in the onion sack, don't you? How draw they didn't get something out of the game, I will never know. I Honestly, they dominated from start to finish, but that is football for you. That's the way it goes. You have to score goals to win games. And the rugby. What about the rugby on Saturday? All day, our hearts were in our mouths, wasn't it? For most of the game, until we finally got a try or two and won everything. We won everything, aren't we? A great little country. We really are a fantastic little country. Punching above our weight in rugby and looking forward to the World Cup now. Can we go on it? Imagine Ireland to win the World Cup. And actually we're talking after two on the show about Ireland and that it is still and always will be a great place to live. Sarah Carey joining me after two to chat about that. And of course we've got to give Lau the huge mention. They beat Cork yesterday for the first time in 60 odd years. Fantastic. And they've the dubs next week. Oh what a challenge that'll be. Well done to Mickey Hart and everyone at Lau. Just shows you. Great manager. Support him to the hilt. Well done to Peter Fitzpatrick and all concerned. And it just shows you what can be achieved. Your late lunch on LMFM Radio, heading now towards top of the hour on the show. And we're going there in the company of Mr. Van Morrison and days like this. I'm sure loud supporters, Ireland supporters, Dundalk supporters were all saying days like this. Aren't they just fantastic? When it's not always raining, there'll be days like this. Oh, I love your knock-knock jokes. They really are very, very creative. Paul uh, Column, should I say, in the Knoll today. Knock-knock, who's there? Noble. Noble who? Nobel, that's why I knocked, says Column. <laughs> I love it. There are more great ones there. I'll come back to them in a wee while. But ahead of all that, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show one of my favourite guests. She's the Irish independent columnist, journalist, broadcaster and a woman that I just love to read. I have to say she's so thought-provoking. Sarah Carey, hello again. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? And thank you for that lovely introduction. Not at all. You're always welcome. I'll tell you why we're chatting today, because it ties in really with the St. Patrick's Festival and all things Irish this weekend gone by and we're in the glow, of course, of the rugby union. But you've been writing over the weekend and you say, you know, that Ireland, it's not all doom and gloom. And to quote you, you said if you listen to the relentless diet of negativity, Sarah... Who or what is behind that? Well, first of all, I think Irish people do tend to have some kind of inferiority complex where we can't actually believe that things are as good as they are. I think there are people with a political agenda who need to persuade us that the government is terrible and has always been terrible. And in the media, it is a known uh, fact in the business model that making people angry or saying something inflammatory gets more clicks than saying something positive. 
Mm. So if you want more eyes, if you want more reaction, if you want more people clicking on something, say something that might upset people rather than something that might make them happy. So you have an awful lot going on. And I think as well, we have short memories, Jerry. I don't think, I think people have forgotten how poor this country was and, um, and how bad things were. And it's easy to take so much of what we have completely for granted. Um, now, look, in every area of our life, we can obviously do better. And we're always looking at Scandinavian models where apparently everything is perfect. But, you know, I was including a few statistics in my column on Saturday in The Independent to show just how far we have come. And the number one measure of quality of life in a country is life expectancy, okay? Yeah. And life expectancy is a measure of your health system, your education system, and economic well-being. And Ireland has the highest life expectancy in the whole of the EU. So Irish people live longer, on average, than in any other European country. So, And that is what a stable government progressively implementing good policies over decades has delivered. And I think that's a pretty good thing to celebrate. I think it's fantastic to celebrate. And I'm delighted you've drawn attention. And I'm just laughing. We work in the media, you and I. And, you know, last week I was just saying to Louise here, do you remember the this nonsense about the snow? And, oh, doom and gloom. Yeah. The country was going to... Glo- and I was actually watching the forecast and I just thought to myself, what are we at in the media whipping this up? Yeah, yeah. and that, But that is how it works. You know, um, so if you get everybody fearful and worried about something, then they'll all go on the news websites or turn on the news or whatever to find out what terrible thing might happen the next day. Specifically, there's another issue with weather, though. It's called precipitation bias, right? Mm. And in precipitation bias, the weather forecasters know that if they tell you it's going to rain and it doesn't rain, people will be happy. If they tell you that it might not rain and it rains, people are really angry with you. So they'll, <laughs> the forecast will always be more pessimistic for that reason. Thank there you. you. Go. Precipitation bias. You've learned a new word. Oh, today. I've learned something. And that's what I love about this job. There ain't a day goes by that you don't learn something new. And what a teacher I have as well, may I say, today too. Um, but look at the other thing behind you writing in this vein is, and I, I actually was emotional looking at it. Uh, again, it was last week. Uh, the conferring of citizenship upon, yeah. was it 1,500 more people yeah. uh, were brought into to the fold and you know you're right Sarah what it means to those people it was so emotional wasn't it yes like there were people weeping mm. you know with joy that they had become Irish citizens and they were being interviewed afterwards and you know there was lots of coverage on RTE and in the newspapers and they kept praising Ireland and that's what put me onto this train of thought that they were saying this is such an amazing country it's prosperous it's peaceful you know, we have jobs. And like I said, that's stuff that we take for granted that lots of other people around the world don't. And I thought, why can foreigners look at this country and want to become citizens and be so grateful for their life here and all the rest of us are doing is complaining <laughs> about that we're the worst country in the world and we're not. We're just not by any measure. We're not. Yes. Yeah, so that's what prompted me into mm. it. And, and, you know, I think when you, you said it earlier there, it is in, eight, in maybe our um, makeup and from where we've come from, you know, mm. that this is winning us and it's, it, it's hard to shake. It's sort of in the DNA. But I loved, you wrote about your, uh, 
your local clergyman there in County yeah, Mayo. So Father, Father John Kennedy yes. from Uganda mm. and he's our curate. We've had him for the last few years and he is the gentlest, kindest, a real holy man. You know, we're so mm. privileged to have him and we're so lucky. And he was made a citizen in that ceremony on Friday. And, um, you know, it was such a wonderful moment for him. And, uh, and, and everybody in the parish was so joyful for him. And, yeah. and I was that thing that in the midst of all this negativity, you'd meet your neighbour in the shop and go, oh, Father John got his citizenship. And it was this real glow that everybody had. And a really nice man and grateful to be Irish. And he keeps saying how nice everybody is and how kind people are to him. Because, you know, it's not easy coming from, you know, a continent with such a different culture mm. and then being stuck, you know, in a rural parish in Ireland. It's a huge change. And, uh, and, and he's very happy with his life here and grateful for all the friendships that he has here. So that's what, uh, that was the other thing that yes. prompted the piece. Yeah. And, and I want to highlight something you, you mentioned, because this is very important in the context of people looking to Ireland for, you know, uh, shelter from war, mm. uh, coming away from countries with shock and famine, where there are no prospects for life, etc. But you do mention his home country, Uganda, and the amount of refugees that country is dealing yeah. with. So it's amazing when you, and this is why it's always great to meet people from other places, Jerry. You know, after I was chatting to him, I'd met him and we were, we were talking about Uganda. And I went home and I looked it up on the map. And it's surrounded by Rwanda, South Sudan, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Kenya and Tanzania. So Kenya and Tanzania aren't too bad, but those other three countries have had really severe uh, civil wars raging for decades and genocides. So Uganda, which is a very poor country, has one and a half million refugees. All right. It's one of I think it's the largest host country for refugees in Africa because of its neighbors. And this is what we really need to understand about refugees. Most refugees do not come to Europe. They're too poor. They can't get here. Mm. Most refugees go to the next poorest country or simply the next country. So in Ukraine, most of the refugees are in Poland. All right. In the Middle East, uh, Jordan is host to about three million refugees. A big bulk of those are Palestinian, but about 750,000 are from Syria. So we know nothing in terms of taking in refugees. It is minuscule what we bring in in comparison to what other countries take. So I know people are afraid that we have limited resources. We've limited housing. How can we afford all this? It's a drop in the ocean. Mm. It's a drop in the ocean. So, you know, we really do need to understand the burden that other much poorer countries bear. And I think we do have a moral obligation to keep our end up. For sure. And uh, we've come a long way. And there's more to go. There's no doubt about that. And I, I honestly believe, like when I look at the population of the country, what we could take, you know, in terms of growth in population and what is wealth there, I have to say. Look what these people bring to us and this country. Yeah, and I'll tell you something else. Our birth rate is dropping. Yeah. So the richer countries get, the fewer children people have. Mm. So when you end up with an imbalanced population of a lot of old people, you need a lot of young people in their 20s and 30s and 40s, A, to work, to earn the taxes, to support the older people, and um, <clears throat> enough people to simply work to keep the economy going. And if we stop having children, and we are stop having children, the only way you fill that gap is through immigration. So the, Jap- the Japanese economy is seriously imbalanced. It's a huge amount of older people, hardly any young people. <clears throat> Germany has consistently been taking in a lot of immigrants because their birth date dropped decades ago. 
and ours is going that way now. So we are just going to have to accept the fact that things like our health service right now today cannot function without um, immigrants. Mm. And, uh, and, and that's going to increase. So this is how it's going to be. So people who think they have this distorted attitude, oh, immigrants come in and take our jobs. No, they don't. Immigrants come in and work in jobs that we need them to do. And throughout the world, wherever you have immigration, they actually improve the economy. They don't take from it. They add to the economy. Yes, and our neighbours are going to feel this uh, sooner than they think as well yes, uh, with what's yes. going on there. And the interesting fact you, you said, which is, which is great to hear, 60,000 people left Ireland last year, but here's the thing, 120 came in. 120 came in, and of those, nearly 30,000 were Irish people coming back. Yes. Um, so now, I mean, there are pockets where you would be worried, particularly, say, the medical profession, where you've got almost, you know, oh gosh, over half or nearly whole classes of medical students maybe heading off to somewhere like Australia or Canada or America. So that's a problem, and we need to do something about that. But more people come here than leave. And that is, again, a testament, you know, to how good um, the quality of life is in the country. And just to give two examples, Jerry, I gave one in the column and I, I didn't have room to put in another one. One of the reasons life expectancy is so good is you take something like deaths on the roads. In, the ninth, in 1970, 650 people died on the roads in Ireland. And in 2021, it was 137. Mm. Now, last year, unfortunately, we went up a bit. We were closer to 150. But, and remember, there were only about 3 million people in the country in 1970, and we've over 5 million now. So with more people, we have drastically reduced the number of deaths. And that comes about through law and order, mm. through building great roads, through regu- driving regulations that are enforced, stuff like the NCT, making sure that people have good cars. You know, so that, uh, it's not just one thing that happens overnight. It's decades of good governance. And the other one is the smoking ban, which has saved 1,500 lives per year since that was introduced 20 years ago. So what is that, 30,000 people Mm. who, you know, did not die of lung cancer or heart failure or whatever because they're not working in a bar and passive smoking on a consistent basis. And again, that's centrist government. So it doesn't matter who gets in, consistent policy is being enforced. You know, so it works. This is like the boring day-to-day governance (laughs) of a public sector and a centrist government delivering policy works and you won't read a headline saying that no <laughs> of course you won't so so the message today is the odd pothole and the odd planning issue and things like that yes they do annoy people and that but on the whole you know what i mean yeah We've yeah and again the way. problems that we do have so obviously housing is the major crisis yes. you know that's um you know partly a problem of success in that people are coming here and need houses and we want better quality houses. And obviously, we've still got that hangover from the bailout years, you know, where our delivery of housing dropped to almost zero for a couple of years. And then the other one is trying to reform the health system to cater for the demands of that aging population and of people who expect more from their health, you know, and mm. who, who won't tolerate, quite rightly, you know, being in poor health. So if we get those two things sorted and I think we will get there within about the next five years we make a major impact there you know things aren't the worst we're not doing too bad that's my point it's all we're the Willy Wonkers of the world we have the golden tickets if that all (laughs) happens for sure but here's the thing Sarah we've Mm. got to celebrate as well and the example of the weekend you know that rugby success and (laughs) you know we're punching way above our weight and it's fantastic 
It really is that. And again, um, I wasn't watching the match, I have to say, but I could feel the vibes in the first mm. hour. I think there was a lot of stress about oh, yes. exactly going the way. Oh, yes. uh, I think there was a lot of fear. Oh, no, oh. no, we're going to blow this and then delivered it. And it's that self-belief that actually we can do well. But again, look at all the ministers going around all the world to get all that marketing and uh, business networking in for Ireland across the entire world. Like the work the Department of Foreign Affairs put into that, there is no other country that gets that access yes. anywhere in the world. And, and it pays off because we do have that foreign direct investment and those companies are employing tens of thousands of people, tens yes. of thousands of people here. Mm. Um, the pharmacy, the technology, you know, all of that. So... Yeah. So it is paying off. I'm definitely This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I know it sounds like the propaganda queen for the government, but when you look at the numbers, yeah. there's no disputing it. No, there isn't. There isn't. And yeah. I have to congratulate there the IRFU as well, the rugby people who reconstructed the structure of the game here to meet the modern era. And they've more than met it and create they've created something special now for the World Cup that's all I'd say the only thing to finish off today we'll ask the Taoiseach to stick to the straight lines and leave the comedy to somebody else you know, know that's all I know all. every time every time <laughs> you just put your head in your hands and go stop read the speech Leo just read the speech okay <laughs> simple as that <laughs> uh, listen you're fantastic I love chatting to you I know our listeners do too and uh, keep on uh, you know prompting the thought putting the words on the the paper and do read Sarah in the Irish Independent. She's absolutely brilliant. Thank you again for your time. I really thank, appreciate it. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks for cheering me up. I'll Not see you. See okay, you. Bye bye. That's Sarah Carey there. She's simply wonderful. Our own Sarah Carey from County Meath as well. Catch her in the Irish Independent. She writes regular there, and I love reading what she has to say. Knock knock. Who's there? Keep the jokes coming to me. You could be winning that new door from Senator Windows. They're opening their new showrooms in Beachmount Industrial Estate this coming Saturday. And we're there with the outside broadcast unit. But send me the jokes and your name could be going into the hat today to win that fabulous new composite front door worth €2,000. 
I have four grandchildren, Ava, Pippa, Harry and Olivia. And today, the youngest of them, Olivia, is one years old. Yes, she's one today. Where has that 12 months gone? And we had a little afternoon tea for a yesterday afternoon and everybody was there and she's flying along. She's nearly walking at this stage. She's taking the steps. She's just nearly there. She's going to take off and then the fun begins, doesn't it? Anyway, she's lovely. She's gorgeous like the whole lot of them. Love them all to bits. Ava, Pippa, Harry and Olivia. But it's Olivia's day today. It is her birthday and for her, from me and from our mum and dad, Sarah and Kieran, and sister Ava and all of the family we want to say happy birthday Olivia this is for you especially for Olivia Flynn who's celebrating her first birthday today and you know that song was written by Bono for his wife Ali because you know why he forgot her birthday but we wouldn't forget Olivia's would we not at all anyway lovely song I absolutely love it from you too knock knock who's there it's Declan Costello sending me this one doctor doctor who you're right Jerry. <laughs> I love them there are so many I don't want to read them all it's going to be very hard to pick a winner today I have to say let me see will I go in there and pick another one out from the list um, knock knock says Patty innocent beliver who's there beats beats who beats me says Patty <laughs> beats me too I love them. Yes, we have the Senator Windows 2000 euro composite door to give away to one of you this week. All you have to do is send me your knock-knock jokes. We pick one each day, Monday to Friday. Fabulous runners-up prize as well. Karcher, window cleaner. It will be... You've won already if you're picked out on the show between Monday and Friday and then we'll do the overall draw. We pop the names in the hat on Friday and pick out the overall winner. We've a Nobi. We're out there. We're with Senator Winders in the new showrooms in uh, Beach Park on this Saturday as well. Watch out for that. And they're also giving away prizes on our Facebook page from Senator on Tuesday and Thursday. Check out the LMFM Facebook page for details of those prizes today. Do you know what today is? The 20th of March? It's a very significant day in the year. It really is. Because today is the spring equinox. Which means what? It means that it's equal day and darkness. So the light is equal to the darkness today. And from tomorrow on, there's more light than darkness. And so on it goes up to uh, Midsummer's Day and just a little beyond as well. It's a fantastic day in terms of life. And life and springtime and... Everything waking up again and flowers and trees in bud and starting to bloom the flowers, the gardener's year. Well, it really kicks off from today. It does indeed. And it's just great. It gives, it gives my old heart a lift, I have to say, when you reach this point of the year. It's great looking forward to the longer, better days. You wouldn't think it at the minute, would you? With the blooming weather we're having, having and it's so mixed again this week. It's mild. That's what it, it is mild, of course. But anyway... Spuds will be going in after St. Patrick's Day. Mind you, I'm not alone of Spuds. And I've Spuds well up. And Louise, she's back tomorrow, I'll tell you. Her salads and her potato in the office. You want to see them. We're going to have to take pictures and put them up on social media and let you let you have a look. They're fantastic. She'll be eating the salads by the end of the week, I'd say. Well, the Spud will take a little longer. We know that anyway. But Equinox 
is today the 20th of March where the light equals the darkness and the old life time of everybody it just turns around doesn't it and we all often say where does the time go Tempest Fugit it certainly does fly by it'll fly by over the next couple of minutes we're heading to a short break on late lunch and afterwards if you have any questions for her she can answer the phone book yes our vet Sinead Kelly is with us on late lunch time to say hello to one of our regulars on late lunch Sinead Kelly hi Hi, Jerry. how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for joining me again. And if you want to put a question to Sinead about a pet of yours, now is the time. 086-1800-658. You can WhatsApp or text me now. I have some in already. Let's begin with this one, Sinead. Hi, Jerry. My dog has been coughing a lot over the weekend and again today. What does kennel cough sound like? He's vaccinated, but I left him with a friend recently while away for a few days. She has three dogs. Could he have caught something? Yeah, so certainly um, coughing is one of these uh, conditions that there are lots of potential causes for us. So we need to take a really good history and examine the the animal. Certainly in a young dog um, with no previous history of lung problems or heart problems, um, if they develop this acute, um, and we call it a kind of goose honk, or a, it's a very dry, hacking, um, paroxysmal cough. So it's, it's hard to describe it. I won't dare to do an impersonation. Um, but often uh, I would, you would hear uh, dogs doing it and you'd be very suspicious that's what it was. Basically, kennel cough is caused by a number of different infectious agents, a couple of viruses and one particular bacteria. Interestingly enough, it's the Bordetella, which is also the same species of bacteria that causes whooping cough um, in, in humans. Um, so it's a kind of similar kind of whooping cough type cough. The good news about kennel cough is that in most animals, it tends to be a mild self-limiting condition um, and most animals will recover fine themselves and there's no need for any medication. Basically, it's this very acute inflammation of the trachea, so the, the windpipe, and occasionally the kind of um, major mainstem bronchi. But it's very unusual to go deeper down to affect the lungs or the bronchioles or anything. So if, if your dog is well in themselves, if they're eating and drinking normally, if you haven't noticed any change in the, 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 the speed of breathing, the pattern of breathing, the depth of breathing, if you just have this kind of paroxysmal, you know, uh, continually kind of honking cough, um, occasionally bringing up a little bit of phlegm or often keeping everybody awake at night, I would certainly be suspicious about kennel cough, but I wouldn't just say, oh, that's what it is. So it's definitely worthwhile touching base with, with your own vet um, and, and probably getting a little checkup um, if it's not a dog that fits into that demographic. So if we're looking at a young, healthy dog who's recently been in contact with other dogs, then absolutely be suspicious about it. And if the dog is well and good, and if the cough is gradually resolving over a period of days to weeks, your grant, don't worry about it. But if you have an older dog um, who maybe hasn't been to the vet recently or you know maybe has a heart murmur or has some pre-existing um, respiratory conditions, um, coughing can also be a, a symptom of heart disease, of lung disease, um, and, and you shouldn't just ignore it and, and presume that this cough is, is kennel cough. Um, kennel cough normally shouldn't last more than about two or three weeks, and during that period, you know, your cough should gradually be getting a little bit better every day. 
Uh, so what I always say to people is if the dog is bright, active, eating normally, if you're not noticing a very fast breathing rate, if you're not noticing your, your dog's uh, sides kind of moving in and out much more heavily than usual with breathing, if they're in jolly form and they've got good exercise tolerance, it's, it's most likely to be kennel cough. But if we're having a loss of appetite, if we're noticing that when the dog is at rest, the breathing rate is more than, say, 30 breaths a minute, if we're noticing that they're, they're having to really work hard with their breathing. So uh, if you see those kind of chest walls or often the, the, the tummy kind of moving in and out much more markedly, that's a sign that something is causing respiratory compromise deeper down in the lungs and, and that's something to get in touch with the vet about, definitely. And interestingly enough, the owner there mentioned the dog is vaccinated. I'm presuming they mean against kennel cough. Yeah. They can still get kennel cough, unfortunately. Now, they're much less likely to get it. Um, the vaccine protects against the most common causes, so the parenteral virus and the Bordetella. But like when we get, say, maybe uh, colds or if you have different strains of the flu, it's still possible to get an infectious okay. cough. So, But definitely any doubt, especially if the animal is unwell in themselves, definitely touch base with your vet. Also, if you think your dog has kennel cough, it's really, really contagious. Um, so don't let the dog have contact with other dogs. The reason it's called kennel cough is just because it'll wreak havoc if you have a group of dogs together. Mm. And most boarding kennels will insist the dog is vaccinated before they come in. Lovely. Thanks, Sinead. Let's move on to our feline friends and put this one to you. Um, I noticed, Jerry, recently my cat has a hot spot on her belly, which she's constantly licking. Would Sinead know what this is and does it need a vet visit? Yes, okay. So basically a hot spot um, is a term we use for this kind of very localised, very inflamed, very itchy patch of skin. It's not normal. We shouldn't have skin like that. So often, uh, normally something triggers this intense licking or scratching or rubbing uh, from the cat. Um, the most common things we would want to rule out are fleas. So you can obviously do a little check yourself, running your finger along the back of the uh, cat's coat, kind of running the opposite way from tail up to head. You might see live fleas running around or you might see little bits of black, tiny specks of black grit. And if you see these and you stain them on wet cotton wool, the, the wet cotton wool goes a little bit red because the black grit is, is the flea dropping. So fleas would be things we'd have to rule out. Um, maybe this cat is on a monthly spot on treatment or oral treatment to prevent it. So that'll be much, much, much less likely. So if we don't have an issue, say, with fleas or some of the other more common parasites, we'd be looking at an allergic issue. Sometimes it can be something very acute, so something as simple as, you know, the, the cat maybe had a little nip from a little ant or a, a harvest mice or something, and then because they're extra sensitive, um, they start having a bit of a scratch. And within a space of an hour or so, any animal and humans can make a real mess of their skin. So what started out is just nothing, a little bit of an itchy spot and the more you scratch and rub at that, very very quickly you'll make it really inflamed and then what happens then is that the bacteria and yeast that live in the skin in low numbers in this area of inflammation, that upsets them terribly, they have a little party and very quickly you have this real inflamed, red, angry infected area, so definitely you're going to need to speak to the vet. Um, If it's on the belly, it's probably less likely to be fleas cats that are allergic to fleas tend to have lesions along their back and near their tail and maybe around their head so belly would suggest that something else has been the trigger and again allergy is very common other things are sometimes it's something really really simple like they might get a little thorn or a little abrasion something has made them notice that part of their skin and if you ever watch cats grooming themselves they're very very thorough they're very good and all it takes is some 
some little bit of itchy skin that cat may be given a bit more attention to and it becomes a little bit of a vicious circle. So if they get really fixated on one little area, they can just turn it into this melting pot of inflammation. Um, so it's not going to be something that's going to go away of its own accord because the longer, it's just this vicious repeating circle. Um, so some people try and, I mean, certainly if, before you can get your vet, you can try getting um, a little newborn baby grow, a baby's baby vest, uh, put the head, the cat's head through the through the neck and the front legs through the sleeves um, and that lock often be enough to kind of keep um, an area safe from a cat's tongue. Um, the other thing is often we advise buster collars, which you can buy in any of the big pet stores. Um, but obviously most cats and most dogs don't like buster collars. So I definitely would, would, would look to get a diagnosis before you start doing that. But in the short term, once you've maybe, say, made your appointment, if you're wanting to limit damage, go for a little baby vest or, or have a look at a, at a buster collar. Um, but definitely touch base with your vet because it's something has caused that. And what we'll need to do is, is rule out any underlying trigger um, and then deal with the inflammation, probably with anti-inflammatories. And then the, the cat might need antibiotics, either topically or systemically. And they might need kind of anti-yeast treatments as well. So skin just becomes, it starts off normal and it can, you know, in such a short period of time, anyone who has itchy skin themselves or eczema, you know yourself, if you start scratching your skin and it's really itchy, before you know it, you've, you've made a mm. real, real, real mess, unfortunately. Good, Sinead. Thank you so much for that. Uh, hi, Jerry. says, Rosie, uh, I have a six-month-old German shepherd. All vaccines got warmed up, but he keeps scratching like mad. Now, I know he's biting and pulling clothes and nipping. That's a puppy thing. Should yeah. I just go and get him trained proper professionally and will that deal with the scratching? Mm, I'm presuming she means... I don't know whether she means... The, the, the owner means scratching at the, at the dog's own body yes. or scratching at other things. So we'll yes. kind of look at this in two aspects. If the dog is doing a lot of scratching himself or herself, again, excessive scratching is not normal. So every animal will give themselves a bit of a scratch, a bit of a rub if they're feeling a little bit itchy. But if you're noticing your animal, you know, that their rest has been interrupted by scratching, biting their feet, chewing their feet, rubbing against things, that's not normal. That's a, a kind of excessive level of mm. itchiness. Um, and again, you would want to have a chat with your vet. It sounds like the dog is vaccinated and wormed. Are we getting regular monthly flea treatments? Um, so, you know, flea bites can, can trigger huge irritation if dogs are sensitive to them. Um, and even though six months is quite young, it's still possible to develop allergic skin disease at that point. So if the dog is biting itself and scratching itself, you need to touch base with the vet. Okay. If it's that the dog is scratching at everything in the yes. house and being disruptive, then absolutely. And um, there's a very good, um, a few different good websites um, for dog training classes in Ireland. Just look up Dog Training Ireland. Definitely go and get some classes just to increase your own level of control over the dog. Um, and then you can do an awful lot to limit uh, kind of uh, naughty behaviour in the house really by making sure the dog gets plenty of exercise because as we've said before so many times dogs are pack animals they're used to spending a huge amount of time out and about hunting, looking, scavenging and, and if we keep them in a house all day and they're only getting out for say 20 minutes that just leads to incredible boredom and frustration and couple that with a puppy who's, who's going to have so much energy so are we getting enough exercise 
if the dog is having to be left alone for periods of time in the day, in the short term, then I, I'm a great believer in, in getting one of these big collapsible cages, they call them puppy crates, and just, you know, a nice cosy bed in there, a bowl of water, when you have to leave the house, say, for a couple of hours, give the dog a treat in the crate, and you know that nothing awful is going to happen to the house when you're gone. Um, and, and so literally all dogs can, can be a little bit destructive. Uh, I remember Cleo was, <laughs> when we got her from the Dogs Trust, first of all, she would chew remote controls off tellies, wallets, anything she could find, just when she was on her own and a bit bored. Um, so you have to either get into a mindset of kind of dog-proofing your house. You'll look around, and, and for a lot of dogs, something that isn't bolted down is, is a potential thing that they might scratch or chew, and then they might get sick if it gets stuck. So in the short term, look at making the environment safe. So either you have a really safe room that the dog can't get anything out of, or, as I say, um, a crate training your dog is quite good. Now, I'm not saying to have your dog in a crate 12 hours a day, but if you're having to go out to the shops for an hour um, or a couple of hours, then just to pop the dog in there and you know the dog is safe. But definitely start off with obedience, general obedience. And dogs, especially shepherds, are very clever. They love working. They love thinking. You have to kind of utilize that. So, And you'll find these things are really enjoyable. They're also good sociable um, outings, and you might find your dog is interested in doing agility or lots of different things. So so just, as I say, if it's a, if it's a Scratching the dog self, the vet. If it's just scratching everything in the house, then go for basic, you know, starting your training and then look at, you know, is this dog occupied? Has he got lots to do? Or is this a real just kind of I'm bored? I'm just, you know, like the terrible twos in the, t- in the toddler phase. <laughs> that's, that's the issue, really. Yes, it really is with them. Um, Sinead, we're going to leave it there for today. Thank you so much. So comprehensive. And I'm sure you've helped those listeners. I have a couple more coming to me, but I'll hold them over till the next time we're here. That's the problem. You need to tell me to stop. Sinead, Sinead. On radio, imagine if we had people who didn't talk, the trouble <laughs> I'd be in. Oh, Lord. <laughs> You're I'm sure fantastic. there's a happy medium somewhere I might get it one day. <laughs> well, listen, we love you. That's the thing we do indeed. And we're always grateful when you join us to take listeners' questions. And we'll be back tomorrow with you next month. Thanks a million, Sinead. You're very welcome. Talk to you take soon. Take care yourself. Bye-bye. 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 That's the wonderful Sinead Kelly there. And I will hold over some questions I have there. I promise I'll keep them safely until she's with us next time round. You're with Late lunch on LMFM radio after the break I'll have to come back to more of your knock knocks I'm absolutely loving them Don't stop Journey and don't stop believing on your late lunch this Monday afternoon I just want to mention somebody who passed away over the holiday and I'm sure that many people listening today would remember him Dr Imran Sharif uh, Imran was widely known in the northeast. He was a very skilled surgeon who worked in Navin Hospital before moving across the country and finally working at the Hermitage Clinic in Dublin. He treated many, many patients from his rooms at Abbey Medical House in Navin. He was a young man, so talented and gone all too soon. Imran was laid to rest on Saturday with a huge turnout for his burial at Newcastle Graveyard in Dublin. He was a dedicated family man, a husband, father, grandfather, son, brother, and he survived by his loving wife, Farana, his sons, Zayn, Harris and Saad, daughters-in-law, Eman and Fiza and grandson, Rafi. And on behalf of everybody at LMFM Radio, we'd like to extend our sincere sympathy to his family. Gone all too soon, Dr Imran Sharif, who passed away, sadly, over the weekend. We remember him this afternoon. 
Jerry says, Paddy Duffy, Sarah Carey is a centre-right journalist and no wonder she's ever so happy with her two centre-right political parties that have been masquerading as centrist parties for the last hundred years and one of them is moving more right as uh, every week passes, says Paddy. Thank you indeed for your comment, Paddy. Happy to read it out and uh, I'm sure there are others listening ha- have similar sentiments. But uh, the, the, the whole thrust of what she's saying cannot be denied that we've made huge progress as a country whether people like it or not. And uh, she justified that by many of uh, the uh, topics we discussed uh, talking a little bit earlier on. But thank you indeed for your comments. Always welcome to make them 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. What about the knock-knocks? Oh, they're just fantastic. Let me give you a sample of what you're sending me because you want to win this door. I know you want to win it from Senator Windows who are opening their new showrooms this coming weekend at Beachmount in Navin. It's happening uh, uh, this week, coming weekend. We'll be there on Saturday, LMFM Radio, with our outside broadcast team, so make sure to join us then. But they've given us lovely prizes each day. Character, uh, they're beautiful, so they are. They're window cleaners. They're lovely. You love them. There's one of those each day, and then the overall prize at the end of the week is a new Senator Composite Door worth two thousand euro it's a fantastic prize all you have to do is send me a knock knock jokes we'll pick a winner each day put all the names in the hat and draw the winner on friday knock knock who's there a little girl a little girl who a little girl who can't reach the handle says shirley reynolds love it shirley kevin smith's been on to say knock knock who's there police police who police let me in because it's freezing out here (laughs) i love it kevin Knock, knock, who's there? Luke. Luke who? Luke through the peephole and find out, says Darren Ford in Navin today. Knock, knock, who's there? Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo-hoo. Glad you're so excited to see me, says Barry Connie. Oh, you're very, very clever people. Very inventive people, I have to say. Couple more of the knock, knocks for you today. Knock, knock, who's there? Mike. Mike who? Mike isn't working. Can you let me in, please? That's from Paul Tiernan today. Knock, knock. Who's there? It's Sen. Sen who? Senator at the door with your new door. Oh, very clever. Olivia Andrade today. Knock, knock, says Brian Howard in Denor. Who's there? Needle. Needle who? Needle little help getting in the door, please. <laughs> and Magella. Me old friend Magella. Knock, knock. Who's there? She's needling as well. Needle a little kiss and a hug right now from the only man I love so much. So sorry, Jerry. It's not you. It's my beautiful fiance, Kevin. But I still have a little soft spot for you, though, Jerry. Thank you, Magella. Really appreciate it. Anyway, the winner today and guaranteed the character window cleaner is this one. Knock, knock. Who's there? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you who? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> I love it. That's Jerry O'Brien in Haggardstown. Jerry, you're in. You're the winner today. You'll be in the hat on Friday, but you've won already with Senator Windows. And just reminding you, Senator, have uh, lovely prizes to give away. LMFM Facebook page tomorrow, Tuesday, and again on Thursday. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... 1980 and the song this very week that was at number five in the UK charts 
It's uh, one I'm sure many people out there might remember. Do you remember? A group called Liquid Gold. Ray Knott and Ellie Hope. They had a couple of singles that did nothing before this one. Really didn't make the top 40 in the UK. Any Way You Do It was followed by Mr. Groovy. But then this one came along. And five it was in this week on the UK charts. Eventually made it to number two. Here it is. Number five in my top five countdown this week from this week in 1980. Liquid Gold and Dance Yourself Dizzy. Massive, massive disco hit. I wonder if you spun it today, would you get them out on the floor? I think you would. I really do. It's a, a real disco number, isn't it? Sold quarter of a million copies in an instant. Made it to number two in the charts, but this particular week it was at number five. Four tomorrow, three, two, one, up until Friday from 1980. Coming your way on late lunch, round about this time each afternoon. Heading to a short break, and after the break, I'm delighted to say I'm joined on late lunch by Katie O'Donoghue. Who is she? She's an author, and our latest book, I simply adore it. It's called The Little Otter Who Tried. Katie's with me next. When otters are very small, they need both time and help to learn to swim, just like every child does when they're learning to do something new. Oh, I wish I could swim so that I could play in the stream too. When will I be able to swim, little otter asked Mummy Otter. Well, you'll have to learn first, said Mummy Otter. It'll take practice and it might not always be easy, but I know you can do it if you keep trying. Would you like to start today? Those, but some of the words from a delightful called The Little Otter Who Tried. And I'm delighted to say hello again on Late Lunch to Katie O'Donoghue. Hello, Katie. Hello there, Jerry. How are you? I am all the better for receiving this book and enjoying it. Congratulations again. It's superb. Thank you so much. Very kind. Not at all, because you and I spoke back in 2021 when you published The Little Squirrel who worried, what a remarkable book too, and here you are following up with the otter. They're a lovely way, may I say, Katie, of dealing with very important topics for young people. Thank you. Yeah, I I hope they are. And um, the feedback from Little Squirrel, which was uh, based on supporting children with their worries and anxieties, I I got great feedback from parents and, and young children who are having a bit of struggle with sort of worries and I hope that Little Otter will also be a kind friend to some children who may be finding certain things challenging. Mm. And children today are bombarded left, right and centre and the challenges appear, Katie, to be even greater today than they they ever were in lifetime. You went with the squirrel first, now the otter. They're loved creatures. Why the otter this time round? To be honest, I think I was watching a... um, documentary or do you know when when one of those little videos nature videos pops up and i had always thought that otters i mean they're quite secretive animals so we don't even though we have quite a good population of them in ireland um you you're it's rare to see them but they're incredibly playful and i had always thought because they're such amazing swimmers that once an otter is born you know straight into the water but actually the mommy otter has to guide them and show them how to do it and it takes time so i thought for a tale of resilience what a 
what better animal really um, that you know can achieve so much and and in such a graceful way over time but uh, I mean the process of <laughs> a little otter learning to swim mm. is uh, isn't very smooth I mean they get dunked they get dunked in and pulled around by mom <laughs> but I thought it was quite um that a child might really be able to connect with an otter really for their playful nature and the the challenges that little otter. Mm, it, it, it's lovely, it really is, because I've been privileged in my lifetime to see them as well. Uh, I, I'm a fisherman and I've been out in the river on lakes and I've seen them, especially on the rivers at times, do what you say. But not all of us uh, get that opportunity. But here's the thing, you know, you talk about the otter, what it has to do, and the analogy with human beings and children and what they have to face as well. It's it, it, it's a very well worked, you know, the combination of the story and the education to persevere, to be resilient, you know, and, and needing support with challenges. Obviously, that's in your mind when you're writing this. Very much so. So um, I suppose resilience in a way can be a bit of a buzzword. But what I try to do is convey the fact that there's three things that are needed for children. It's their inner resources. It's the parent caregiver relationship and it's their wider community and, and feeling of belonging and connection. So. I suppose there's a, a fair few different lessons and and story teachings throughout the tale, but I think one of them, especially for children who are bombarded, you know, in the way with technology and social media, and there's very much an increase in this uh, feeling of uh, being pressured to be a certain way, be good at everything, comparison. And I think the tale of the little duckling, the encounter, the duckling that seems mm. to swim along so effortlessly and when little otter talks to him and looks under the water she realizes he's pedaling away really hard so that we never really know uh what's how hard somebody is trying to be perceived a certain mm. way or yes and you know i was thinking and i know it's mentioned in the publicity but funny enough uh, i didn't see it until afterwards but i when when the oscar ceremony was on last week and the boy the mole and the fox and the horse won as you know yeah. um you come to mind Oh, well, that's, that's, uh, well, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Charlie Maxey is a, yeah. such an amazing man. Yes. And his work has helped so many people, so that's a... Uh yeah, but you, you're you're in that vein now, you know, uh, Katie. There's no doubt with this uh, follow-up to the squirrel as well. You know, I I can just see the parallels there, and who knows down the road what lies ahead. But I'm I'm sure there's a lot of fantastic things for you. The other thing is, um, the, the besides, you know, the the the. Uh, help that these books will give to countless children and parents alike as well. Parents should read them. I recommend this to parents as well. Um, the, the beautiful descriptions you have of all the creatures in the book, and I'm, I'm going through the book here at the back of the book, because you take time at the end to actually talk about the otter, the duck you mentioned there as well, the kingfisher, dragonfly, the natterjack toad, the salmon and the dipper, and you give lovely explanations to those. So there's a, a lovely wildlife education educational aspect to these books too. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, I'm very privileged to be in a beautiful part of Ireland and we're all near some green space of some kind and I think they can be, you know, we learned it through COVID that having our green spaces are an amazing resource for our well-being. So I think it's wonderful to get children interested in the wildlife and the habitats that are nearby and 
you know, it brings another element of wonder and curiosity. Mm, absolutely. Um, the the other thing is, the illustrations in these books are yours? They are, yes. Wow. Wow, is all I can say. They are simply outstanding. I mean that. I say it to you again. I said the last time with the squirrel, but I, I, I'm just leaving through it here and I say you are multi-talented. They're lovely. They're vibrant. They're your own and simply, simply beautiful. You've obviously studied these creatures, you know, uh, to reproduce what you have here. Um, in a way, and I suppose like um, my own husband, when um, he's in conservation and when we were living in the in the UK for a few years, he was a park ranger and now he's a development officer for the McGillicuddy Reeks in County Kerry, which, you know, very much is looking at sort of aspects of recreation and wildlife and habitats. And so he, <laughs> being out and about with him mm. is very much an inspiration for yes. the environment and the animals and creatures that I encounter. So it's, yeah. You yeah. know, <laughs> you just know instinctively that you have your hand uh, your finger on the pulse, your hand on the tiller, whatever way you like to describe it, it comes across in the illustrations that really underpin the beautiful words in, in the books. Uh, and I, I can't say enough about it because I, I'm just so, so, so impressed. And going back to the important point, you know, the challenges that children face, because they face them all the time. Life changes rapidly when they start school. They move classes during that time, move schools, family situations change. Children move uh, geographically and physically. It, it's all in there. It's all there's, there's lessons within this book to be had in all those aspects. Oh, thank you, and I, I hope so. It's lovely to hear that that comes through, Jerry. It um, does. But it, there are, and you know, children are facing more challenges than they ever had before. Mm. Really. So, you know, um, I hope that the book it can give them or build on their own inner resources and also give the opportunity maybe to be with mom or dad or grandparents and sit down and have that one-on-one time that's so important as well to strengthen those mm. bonds another part of resilience so uh, yeah I, I, I'm, it's lovely to hear that those messages come through and I hope it gives families opportunities to support children yes further. may I say again and I repeat myself from the last time the little squirrel who worried is the first by Katie O'Donoghue. This brilliant follow-up is called The Little Otter Who Tried and I can't wait for the next one in the series but I commend them highly to you. Your children will love them. They will be just reading them um, all of the time when they get a copy of these beautiful books. It's available. Uh, Gill is the uh, publisher and it's available uh, all over the place and online at the moment just out the 16th of March. Until the next time, I can't wait. Katie O'Donoghue, congratulations again. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks for having me on the show. Not at all. You're very welcome. Take care of yourself. Simply beautiful. Finishing off late lunch this afternoon. Big thank you to Brian Farley, who guided me through the last couple of hours. Thanks a million, Brian, to all our guests and your listeners. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back tomorrow with Tuesday Show from 1.30. Leave you in the company of Mr. Lewis Capaldi. And forget me. Don't forget us tomorrow. Because I'm not-